Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Lucy Chamberlain. And me, Saul Walker. The smell of a spring is in the air. The days are lengthening and the good old British weather brings days of jumpers and gloves or t-shirts and shorts. But whether sun or rain, the 2023 garden season has truly begun. Spring is the starter gun for many when it comes to the garden. The garden centres and nurseries are full of new plants. Barely a week goes by when the new wave of colour fills the garden from snowdrops through to daffodils and then on to tulips. In our respective gardens, both at work and home, it's all hands on deck as the spring months whistle by. This podcast brings you along on those horticultural adventures. As Saul and I ply our trade, bringing our best laid plans to fruition. Whether toiling in the borders, hiding in the woodland groves, tending the vegetable gardens or enjoying a leisurely drive on our tractors. So if you want to join that adventure, tune in every week to look into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. So I have just, as we always say before we press record, I have just depressed my button. <laughs> You've just depressed yours. And... um. I'm so glad we hadn't pressed the record button 10 minutes previous to this because we just had the most depressing conversation that we've ever had. That, that you depress about... buttons and you can depress <sighs> me on yourself whenever you, you want. No. Oh, my goodness. Um, no. It's, uh, well, it was about horticulture and about salaries and about um, stuff like that. And we are going to chuck that to one side yes. because, hey, it's the Talking Heads podcast. And I am renowned for grasping that silver lining. And the silver lining is... My husband's just gone off to make me a cup of tea and I'll have one of that. That's all I can think of. That's honestly, you've, you've knocked the wind out of me sails with all that. The silver lining is it was the 1st of March last week. And that means... Yes, well done. We are in to spring. Come on. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Hooray. That is lovely. That is lovely. I went for a walk at the weekend and I really noticed the difference. I noticed that the... So our Forsythia, which for me is something that always heralds the start of spring, and I always write down the date that it flowers. My Forsythia is just starting its first few flowers. Not in full bloom at all, but it's just starting. My cherry plum is just starting. My pears are just showing the white bud stage. My peach is, again, pink bud stage. The um, black, I saw a blackthorn flowering in a field in Essex in full flower. Oh, yeah, black, yes, blackthorn will flower. Yeah, so slow blackthorn, yeah, yeah, really early. Do you know what? Really, really early. The hawthorns are leafing up. It's incredible. We've got a beautiful shrub outside the house, Ribes sanguinea, the flang. Oh, yeah. And it literally is just starting to come through. It has a lovely scent. The flower has a lovely scent, but so does the foliage. If you, I don't know, you you have to like that sort of current scent if you if you if you like it or not. But that will soon be open, and then we'll yeah. You you're right. The the cusp of spring is is just there. The snowdrops have gone through already. Most of mine are uh, are in their final throes of looking reasonable, and then I'll be out uh, with the fork digging those up, splitting them up. It's been a good year. Good year for snowdrops. Lots and lots of growth. So I'm definitely going to be splitting those up and putting them everywhere. Daffodils are now taking over, I would say, in the next lot of the next crescendo of colour. Um, most of my I've got a beautiful little one called Jetfire, which I absolutely adore. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Cyclaminius yeah. hybrid type. Uh, I've got straight cyclaminius as well all around the, the borders. So that's uh, quite beautiful. Jenny, which is my, one of my other favourites. Now Sisters Jenny will be out soon. That's that's quite nice. It's it, it's um it's it's quite a long trumpet, but very um what's the word? One of those ones that isn't yellow, sort of off yellow, um like very um demure yellow kind of. Color. Oh, okay, like a pale, like a lemon yellow. Yes, it, lemon. To a... That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, oh. I quite like. Yeah. 
you have actually made you've got that was the silver lining I needed. You've, you you've topped me up there. I feel Brightened I feel mm. in a in a position and a capacity to co-host a, a podcast about the joys of gardening for the next half hour. I really do. Thank you well, very you much. Well, you know, I, I try my best, but I, I, well, I'm not. I'm going to try not to make it too depressing. But we're just about. I know we said we're at the start of spring, but it has a feeling that winter's just going to come round and knock on the door for a couple of days. You were saying <laughs> you've got your fire back on. I've put my jumper back on. Um, we have some snow warnings about. Um, not sure it's going to be. You know. Maybe a, a slight... Is it reaching Devon, the snow warning? In Devon, yeah. It but it'll, it'll be a fertile. Wow. A fertile, is that the word? I don't know. What What is a very low amount of snow? Is there a word for that? A dressing. A nice dusting. dusting. That's it. Um, I think our northern listeners who are north of, I don't know, Sheffield, are probably going to feel it a little bit more than us. But um, we've been talking about this, well, the, or the media have been talking about this stratospheric reversal or breakdown. I can't remember what it is in the Arctic. They've been talking about snow for weeks. Do you mean winter? Yeah, winter. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, they've been talking about snow for weeks and we haven't had it. And I thought, oh, it's not going to happen, is it? And then we got uh, got a yellow warning today. So if you've got snow, I hope it's not affecting your gardens too much. To be honest, it can be an insulator, which is always good. I know in Scotland, as you say, they are really going to feel the, the brunt of it. And in the, the north and the Midlands. And I think by the time it peters down to us, well... Only time will tell. I know Tuesday night and into Wednesday are going to be the coldest time for us. And they're talking about maybe minus four, minus five, minus six, possibly. I'm more on the coast in Essex, so maybe inland, so maybe more Cambridge way for us. It might get down to minus five, minus six. And yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, I know a lot of people are saying this time five years ago, we had the beast from the east and the wind is blowing from northeasterly direction. So I don't know. I'm not going to say it's going to be one thing or, or another because it could literally be, you know, five inches of snow or, as you say, a light, what was your word? A, a light dusting. Well, I said fertile, but I don't know if that's is, a, is that a Devon no, word. I'm not I sure no about that. It reminds me of harvesting potatoes when you first lend your soil for your first oh, potatoes. Right, but yeah. I don't know. It might be a lo- colloquial term. But yeah, it, it could go either way. So let's, this time next week, we'll, we will no doubt be reporting back on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But the main thing, that I have noticed in my lovely weather report is rain. We're going to finally get some moisture because I don't know about you. Well, I know about you. You're in Essex, so you've got to be dry. If if I'm dry in Devon, you're probably even drier in Essex. But it's been so dry that I've actually been out, Mm. well, at the end of February and and this week, watering pots of tulips. Uh, I've noticed I've had to water some of my... some, Some things that are just starting to poke through, some evergreen... Uh, shrubs uh, you just see the leaves slightly um um sort of lackluster lackluster that's it a little less yeah uh, the turgidity yeah. is it turgidity i'll get these words yeah that's the I'm one doing well yeah, on the words the aren't i today um so i've had to be out there yeah watering i've never really done that in february and march so <laughs> i know it's, it's crazy yeah it's crazy well i got very excited tonight because we had um today we had uh, a downpour that lasted all of and it was a proper downpour actually it lasted all of maybe a minute um, and the oh. rest of the day was that really annoying rain that just made you damp when you're outside and cold and got through two bones, but didn't actually do any good to the soil. And uh, we've got a rain gauge at the hall and at home. And uh, we went out and measured what was in the rain gauge, thinking, well, you know, it might be five mil. It was quite a lot of rain. Two mil. So really nothing. And I checked my, my rainfall diary. And so for us in uh, just outside Colchester, we had 11 mil on the 14th of Jan. We had an 11 mil prior to that on the, I think it was the 9th or the 10th of Jan. 
And then nothing. We had one mil in uh, February. Mm. That's it. So literally we've had maybe most meager of most meager inch of rain since the beginning of the year and you know they were drilling some crops in the uh the, the fields the other day and there was dust clouds can you imagine that wow that is yeah, ridiculous yeah. in fe- in february march yeah. well let's hope we get enough rain because i've been i've been putting off my mulching actually because i didn't want to seal in dry soil and then get good rain which wouldn't penetrate so i'm just waiting for a nice it looks like it's going to be Thursday, Friday, and even at through the weekend, we're going to not get heavy rain, but maybe enough to to dampen the top inch of the the topsoil, and then uh, we'll start mulching next week. That's what Fingers we need. Crossed. That's what we need. Yeah. Oh, talking of mulch, you'll be very, very pleased with me. What I did today, I um, I've ordered five cubic meters of mulch from my local nursery, Dean's hey. Nursery, just down the road. It's being delivered tomorrow. So we've got the uh, we've got the ground sheet out. We've got with, with, uh, instructions for the lorry to reverse and deliver it right by the brew house. So to save, save. this is the thing with mulch. When you order big bulk uh, items like this, you want to try to minimise the amount of carrying it around you have to do. So we have got stables, and the easiest thing for the lorry to do would be to reverse to the stables because you've got to go through no gateways. And the temptation is to go and do that, dump it on the concrete floor of the stable yard. But we would like it. Thank you very much if you're listening, Mr. Driver. <laughs> we would like it right outside the brew house, which is very, very close to all the borders that we need to mulch. So, and it's lovely, thick, jet black stuff. It's actually a soil improver, soil conditioner. And I was speaking to the the owner of Dean's today, and they pass it through um, a grading system. So normally it's a bit lumpy, but they pass it through for their nursery, a 10 mil uh, gauge. So all the large lumps are taken out and it does when you lay it on the borders it really sets things off nicely and we're trying to as i've said before we're trying to get the borders looking really smart and polished and we've got you know for this um imminent uh sort of sprucing up of the hall so yeah yeah it's all exciting stuff and is that a green waste is that green waste compost or is that a byproduct some i know some people get in the mushroom i think compost it's a mixture or... Yeah, it's not, mix, mushroom, right. it's not mushroom compost because they do sell that separately at the nursery. It's, I think it's a mixture, but I, can, I will find out and, and yeah. report back to you. Well, there'll be people mulching. And if you haven't started mulching, that'll be something you could start, especially when we've had these rain showers through. Mm. At least get, get us, it in. Get, get it in and ordered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because people will be frantically buying it up. Or it's all going to Colchester as we speak. All the money <laughs> in the UK. Well, it's the kind of thing that if you have got a, a, if you need a decent amount, and you do need a decent amount of mulch, otherwise there's no point actually laying it down. You want a good three centimeters depth, absolutely. four centimeters. You know, if you really can. And it's so by that nature, it's got volume to it. And there's only so mag- many bags of um of mulch you can put in the boot of your of your car. So most people will have it delivered and you know delivery times can can stack up so yeah my our top tip is get your mulch order done now there you go that's a that that is a top tip indeed i really yeah i really enjoy that um i was mowing last week we put our first mow in which was uh interesting gave me some time to think as it usually does oh god (laughs) i'm glad i didn't phone you last week (laughs) (laughs) no actually the the grass seems again because it's been quite dry i can get that's been a lovely thing about the dryness, though, is being able to get vehicles through the garden all almost all winter in some ways. There yeah. was a patch. There was a patch over the new year where I, I it was got a bit wet, but since so that's been good because we can get we've been able to move logs around, get lots of stuff done, move, and uh, get the borders all clear, or even mow the borders if you were listening last uh, last week. So yeah, I I'm not going to complain about the dry, but now we just need a bit of wet and. 
sort of get the uh, the early spring turbocharge it a little bit so that it'll it, it'll look good and we're not well I, I hope not I hope I'm not sprinkling well we'll see in two week two months time if I've got to get the sprinklers out that'll be it for the rest of well, summer. well it might I be reckon. even sooner than that I I would like to be hopeful that this because it looks like we've got with this weather system coming through it looks like it's carrying rain with it for a good few mm. days back to back it's not like just the odd bit here and there so I'm hoping it will no, build yeah. and build and build to something that's decent if we can get 20 mil for the month then i'll be happy with that because that's that's not enough but it's it's a good dousing of water we've got loads of plantings to do i don't know about you saw but we've got um obviously casualties from the drought of last year because we had no rain for nearly four months in essex and we're on sand so naturally anything that was already on the way and struggling has um has succumbed to the uh the prolonged torture that was the the drought of 2022 and so we've got a few gaps that we want to fill not not everywhere but the prominent plants that we want to you know um where there is a void and you think oh yeah visually there's a gap there so i'm going to be going around to the garden centers and nurseries and mail order companies sourcing specific plants and again i don't want to be doing that and planting when the ground is bone dry i want them to be going into a lovely moist soil so the roots can start stretching out and exploring and settling in before the the summer heat comes so yeah we definitely mm. we need moisture for all sorts of things now we are going to go on to a our, our monthly to-do list in a bit i'm going to lucy doesn't know any of the things on my list so she is going to be flying by the seat of her pants but she's an experienced horticulturist so i think oh, she on. can take it but before that we always want to say thank you to our uh, supporters our buy me a coffee uh, patrons who have donated a little money so that we can keep going <laughs> In some way old fashioned. <laughs> Who knows? I just need sugar tonight. I think that's why. Yeah, need. absolutely. This is the. I've got my cup of tea. This this buys me a lot of chocolate, guys. Anyway, um, we've only got one tonight, <laughs> and it's actually from someone who has been in touch with us before on the podcast. It's Danny Koenig, the head gardener from Cornwall, or who just started. He just literally started head garden and asked us for a lot of advice, and I know he's very grateful. Um, he's asked if we're both well. Just wanted to let us know that his new head gardener job is going really well, and his uh, Great, and our advice really lovely. helped him. Um, he, he he he's having some problems with ivy. He was listening to my wildlife podcast from two was it two podcasts ago, where I was talking about ivy on trees, and actually it's quite interesting because I did see. It, there's a lot of camps on this, and I, and I do know that we are going through probably a phase in gardening that's all about wildlife and our impact on nature and things. But I'm still quite an advocate of that the garden is a also an artificial aesthetic space that we create for our enjoyment. That doesn't mean we can't share it with the wildlife, but you can't forget the human element in it. And I'm always one that likes to see, I like to see trunks of trees. At the end of the day, you plant trees to see the majesty of them. And I think if you get too much ivy on, you lose A, their shape and their majesty. But you also, you, they can cause problems such as wind sails in winter, etc. But um, uh, And Danny seems to agree with me, but he's having problems with his tree ferns. I tell you what, I have seen ivy get into tree ferns because they're sort of this mass of fibre and mm. old frond scales. Once the ivy gets its tendrils, you know, its little sucking pads into that, it can be quite hard to remove. So I don't envy you trying to uh, clear all those tree ferns. My, my advice 
with things like ivy and, and, and weeds and things is get them early. Always get things early before they become a problem. I think a lot of people tend to be a procrastinating. I'm a natural procrastinator sometimes. And if you leave things a few years, it's, it's the same with mo lots of things, actually woody shrubs, pruning woody shrubs or getting on with little bits of the garden. If you leave them a few years, you'll find that you're actually going to make it triply as hard to get to them you know yeah. it, like clear that patch of ground elder or wild garlic if you don't want wild garlic before it starts taking a foothold so yeah uh what's it a stitch in time saves nine i think that's where where that comes in yeah anyway thank you danny no that's lovely it always makes me smile when you say about ivy up trees because my grandma was called ivy so i have this lovely mental image of my grandma <laughs> up a tree up a tree yeah feeding so, the birds yes exactly something like that so uh, it always makes me go. smile so uh, and i just to say quickly i mean i've i've done a job this week at home we've already done this at the hall because we you know the nuttery that we have saw and we use it for pea sticks the, now, the nuttery, again, the nuttery. i've got my own mini nuttery at home i've got a, a little row of eight uh hazels <laughs> that i'm coppicing and the catkins that's no way of talking about Ian. <laughs> he's He's not a little nuttery, he's a big nuttery. Well, yeah. Anyway, go on, sorry. <laughs> um, so the, I've been coppicing them and I've been selectively thinning out the stems that are getting too tall and uh, encouraging lots of new shoots to come through. And just when you said that about leaving jobs, you know, for a few years um, and it then becomes, you know, really tricky to do that. I'm very lucky that the hazels in my, in my garden, I've repeatedly coppiced them for many years and it's easy to do so the nuttery at the hall was not coppiced by the previous head gardener so going in there and trying to turn it around although we've been now doing it for uh you know every year we get more a bit more and more aggressive with it we try and nibble forth more than we can mm. but it's di it is difficult and also the the, the old stems and don't the make good pieces because they're quite poor if it's the, the vigor's lost in the coppice yeah. stool itself so it's the same with laying a hedge the amount of hedge uh, old hedge layings I've seen that have been left for, what, decades even, and they just look awful. And trying to get that vigour back in is quite difficult. You know, the whole point of laying a hedge is you do it every five years because you keep the vigour, you keep the youth within the hedge, and it keeps going. So, um, yeah. get The horticultural train was not stop at procrastination station. That's it. Get, keep on going. If you think a job needs to be done, do it. Uh, and you, you'll thank yourselves later. Right, talking of jobs, yes. smooth segue there. Nice. We're going to go Slick. into my little list of jobs we're going to do. Um, as I've said, Lucy has not seen this before, so we are going to test her horticultural knowledge. This is what happens when we do our advice desks at the various shows. I was going to say, it's just like that, isn't it? Or on the radio. Or the radio, yes. You had your first... We don't know what's coming our way. your first so. show this Saturday, didn't you, for this year? So. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, thank you. That It was nice. BBC Essex uh, Saturday show. It was all rather lovely. Check it out on uh, BBC Sounds. There you go. That's the only plugging BBC is getting in this show, in this podcast. Um, anyway, should we have a look? Right, the first task I have is pruning blueberries Ooh, now you oh. have 30 seconds to talk without deviation repetition <laughs> or whatever the elsition is on pruning blueberries okay i can do that because my blueberries are budding up at the moment and Ooh. you can see the bits that are alive and the bits that are dead it's quite clear so the yes. bits that are dead are silver with no buds on them and the bits that are alive and lovely and plump so essentially all you have to do is nibble out the bits that are looking silvery and dead keep the other lovely plump bits and then start shaping your blueberry bush so if there's any low growing stems 
you can nip those off because the fruit on those will dangle on the soil and, and become a little bit unpalatable, a bit gritty between the teeth. And then if there's any congestion, you can cut that out. Uh, sometimes blueberries throw up whacking great big long unbranching stems as they get their feet in and they look a little bit unbalanced so those can be cut back by half to encourage side branching and thus concludes my brief masterclass on blueberry pruning saw fantastic there you go so get out and prune prune your blueberries or if you haven't got blueberries go and buy some as well <laughs> get some blueberries or prune Plune, plune, plune I tell you what prices in the shops are going up astronomically and uh, I think Growing your own fruit, especially, is going to become far more economical for the future. You'd be surprised how many blueberries you can get off a blueberry bush and how delicious they are. Far more delicious than mm. the ones you get in the supermarkets. Anyway, the next thing on my uh, jobs list, and I will I will talk about these, is moving evergreen shrubs and trees. Now, you can really do this for most of the winter as long as the conditions are good. Do not start moving anything with frozen ground uh, and again actually you also probably want a bit of moisture so if you're digging and you're just digging into dry soil maybe wait until you get a bit more moisture onto the root ball but this is a classic great time to move evergreen shrubs and trees so your pitsporums eliagnus boxes bay anything which you've put in the ground maybe in the last few years and you thought actually that's going to be too big for that place or i think that'd be better at the back of the border or, or anything like that or you've been growing some cuttings for a few years in your cuttings beds and you want to now put them in the garden somewhere fantastic time to do it um especially as technically the soil is starting to warm up i tell you what under the sun a few weeks ago it was really get, quite getting warm as we said mm. it, about our greenhouses warming up but i did notice the soil was actually warming up as well unfortunately it's probably gonna lose all its heat over the next few days but oh well that's just how it is um and then once you plant them ensure you keep watering them uh, evergreens are still doing their thing unlike the, deci um, the deciduous plants which are technically dormant although you will start seeing the sap rising in the next few weeks evergreens are still slowly over winter photosynthesizing not as much as they do in the summer but they are still sucking up a bit of moisture so make sure that you keep them well watered until they're established and most evergreens if they're growing well will establish reasonably quickly and then they can uh, then they can get away with you maybe leaving them to get on with their thing but that's a good job to be doing this weekend you just mentioned the sap rising also anyone just quickly who's a forager do some birch sap wine tapping now is the time oh yes now mm, my granddad used to do that yeah now it's it's you need a little tool don't you to go in and do that or do you you just need um uh, well, you just need a little bit of, um, of some kind of like pipe um, that's made of some, something solid, maybe yeah. like a little bit of, um, of piping, some, some, some plumbing piping, and then you tap into your birch and then you collect a, have a demijohn or some kind of container or even a pop bottle beneath it and collect the sap and then add the sugar. Well, you don't need to add much sugar because it's already got the, that from the sap, a little bit of sugar, some yeast and your demijohn and uh, ferment away and, and a few months later consume the delicious light white liquid inside just before mowing so you get those perfect stripes <laughs> or not <laughs> freestyle mowing mm. <laughs> right next on my list is something i just talked about which is about warming soil before earlier crops now i know you you do this a bit or you did do this when you when you were doing the whole of the, the wall garden i know you're not doing it so much this year but it's a really good way of getting those early crops established. Yeah, it? well, actually, I've been doing this at home because I'm finding I really would like to... I know it works, and I'm, I'm, I want to kind of like... I'm on a fact-finding mission. I want to understand exactly what's going on. So I bought a soil thermometer 
uh, a couple of months ago. Oh. Yes. And um, so in my sunny corner of my garden at home, I grow a lot of crops for forcing early. So things like hardy spinach and baby turnips. And uh, I'm going to put my new potatoes in this corner this year as well to get some really nice early new potatoes. It's a lovely sunny sheltered corner in this sort of southwest corner of the garden. And in there, I have put some glass crushes. So I've been recording the soil temperature. And this is on the sunny days. when the, So we're talking about um, 10 days, 14 days ago. The soil temperature at a depth of about six inches was consistent both outside and under the cloches, it was about eight degrees. And I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. Right. But if you want to then just measure this top two, three inches of soil, on the outside of the cloche, it was 12 degrees. On Under the glass cloches, which had been there for about a week, 17 degrees. And that was two, that was two three oh, wow. inches deep. So if you think when you're putting your little transplants of spinach there and the plugs I'm going to put out are only yeah. maybe an inch deep, they are going to go into that lovely warm soil. I was astounded at the difference I mean, I know we know it works, but yeah, 17 I, degrees compared to 12, so. I would have never guessed at 17. No, mm. I, I would have said near, like, yeah, 10, maybe between 10 and 12. That's really, that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, we are on sand, so I guess we've got lots of air particles on our soil, which means that the temperature can rise quickly, you know. Cause they always say sandy soils are quick to uh, yeah. warm up in the spring compared to clay. So I think I have got that advantage too. But even so, that's that's incredible. And those are glass cloches, sort of they the are the traditional glass. Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. No, no, they're not Dutch style, are they? They're the ones that mine are like little ones ring. that we've made out of our greenhouse. Uh, yes. They're not the Chase Barn cloches. They're they're uh, Chamberlain specials. Oh, the Chamberlain um, <laughs> But glass is very insula insulating. It's one of the mm. most insulating materials you can have, as opposed to say um, clear polythene or um, a more flimsy material. It's got some real substance to it. So glass, if you can get hold of it, and we've got our second-hand two pounds a sheet, you know, huge mm. big commercial sheets. So. Um, it can but, be done. But even something like black plastic or, you know, your old compost bags. If you just want to put your mm. compost bags over, it has the the effort of also stopping weeds growing if you've got a bit of a weedy patch as well. So, you know, and that will warm up the soil as well. So get out there, warm up your soil and then plant your early crops. Probably wait till after this uh, snow front has gone through. Yeah. Okay. Next is about our lawns. We're going into lawn repair season. So... Uh, it is time to have a look at your, and I've got to say, if you, my lawn's anything to go by, there's quite a bit of moss, more moss than these usually, but also a lot of uh, tap-rooted weeds. Now, last year during the drought, when the grass was obviously brown, um, the things that were brown and did really well were the tap-rooted uh, weeds. So your dandelions, your docks, uh, some of the things like the creeping thistle, you know, they have their roots quite uh, deep so they could actually tap into moisture for much longer than the grass so they tended to dominate and I've noticed there are, are patches where the grass is completely devoid and those are the dominant foliage now I'm not a fa fancy lawn person I don't um, make sure there's no weed it's not Wimbledon uh, Stonelands but I want to make sure there is some grass <laughs> in some of the areas where these uh, weeds are taking part so I will probably go around and dig a few uh, patches those out and then re re sow uh, again when the the soil or the lawn has warmed up. Um, it's also a good time if you haven't done it in autumn, which is probably more ideal. But it's you can also get out there with the uh, aerator and the scarifier, and you can give it. I, I probably would say don't give it as much of a um, deep scarifier as you can get away with autumn, um, just because the grass is really is growing and you don't want to damage it too 
too much but you can get out there and give it a light especially if you've got a mossy lawn it's well well worth doing um and also eventually well if you're inclined to it will be time to give it a bit of a feed just to kick start the system so go for a spring feed they're generally not quite as full of uh, nitrogen uh, a little bit more balanced so you can get good root growth to start the season off uh yeah but um go out and uh, and tend to your lawn it makes a massive difference i tell you what we fed our lawn at the hall um probably about three weeks ago now and you can now you can see the greenness of it the lushness and we've also then recently applied lawn sands because we need to get rid of a little bit of moss on the the lawn but yeah, yeah it really does as much as you can tell it's doing the grass some good it makes it look incredible so feeding the lawn in spring mm. is um is good for the good for the eyes the soul and the grass yeah and it makes mowing far more pleasurable when you're actually mowing something off the lawns um right next on my list is potatoes oh why is... are you going to give me all the grow your own ones i don't well i'm trying to be nice to you lucy because uh i you know you don't have the list and uh you, you're running into this blind but uh potatoes you can well i i i yeah i will be planting my potatoes in march uh i believe i'm trying to think i do it on is st patrick's day march it is isn't it i do mine around st patrick's day every year just because i know that date then when i'm going forward to try and remember when i planted them in three months time but um yeah, it is time to get the potatoes in the ground. It is. It depends, what, like you say, where you are in the country. We in, in, mm. in Essex, for us, we always plant them on my brother's birthday, which is March the 16th or thereabouts. There you go. That's always been my yardstick for getting uh, my first earlies, especially in the ground. The main crops, maybe I can leave a little bit later. But for those ones that you want a really early crop in sometime in June, when you're impatient with the fork prongs and you're fertling, fertling around for your potatoes and trying to find those first few melt-in-the-mouth, sweet, buttery, uh, whatever that might be for your first earlies. It's a swift and rocket. I do find a fast, but for me, flavour-wise, I actually prefer a second early these days. So things like Charlotte, if you can get hold of Lady Crystal, which I can't find for love nor money these days, that's a lovely second early potato. Um, yeah, get the potatoes in the ground. Um, you can do it in a variety of ways. You can plant them into containers these days. So actually the potato barrels now are being kind of superseded by smaller containers, about seven, eight litre size containers, one tuber per right. tub. So rather than the big barrels, which tend to get a bit soggy and claggy and, and impeded in their drainage. So like I say, one tuber per uh, seven litre pot is what the exhibition growers used to do for all the shows. So that's a good thing to do. Or um, plant them on the flat and you can then cover that over, which we do on our allotment with um, some Mipex or weed control fabric. And then as the horn foliage pokes through, you can cut a little cross in the fabric and, and let the leaves through. And that's that's just a good weed control if you're trying to take over, say, a weedy patch of ground on an allotment, for example. Or just do them in the traditional ridge way, you know, so you, you plant them, what is it, four inches deep, something like that. And then you mound the soil back over gently and as they pop through, keep ridging them over. And what that does, it stops the developing tubers from turning green. And in doing so, when they do turn green, because they hit the light, they become poisonous and inedible and can cause stomach upset. So lots of, like, there's, like, that's a whole episode in itself. So that's my condensed thoughts. There's, you know, chitting. I'm going to do an Instagram post on chitting because I find the whole topic fascinating. Um, so look out for that well you know I'm, i can tell everyone's on the edge of their seats waiting for that one to come out but honestly there's there's just so much in the physiology of potatoes because they're a mass commercial crop so there's been loads of research done on them and in that sense then there's loads of 
interesting fodder for us to get our teeth into as in, you know people who are inquisitive about the science of all these things wait for the potato episode of the talking heads podcast the potato special um now on to something a bit more ornamental and decorative it's time to start looking at those dahlias uh rhizomes any so gingers cannas any of the things that you've uh, sort of dug up and put away in that corner, maybe under a bench somewhere, back at the garage, you'll be surprised. They're going to start putting up buds. I think my canners have started actually putting on their first leaf. So it's time to go and uh, sort of either dig them up. If you didn't sort them out in autumn, it's time to cut, them, cut out any of the dead, anything that's a bit slimy, a little bit gone out. Uh, if you have got large tubers maybe split them up a bit then you'll be able to maximize the amount of flowerage you got and then if you have got a greenhouse which many of us have you could pot them up and get them started reasonably early before you want to plant them out after the last frost so that won't be this month uh, that might be april or may depending what part of the country you're in but it's good to get them potted up and started. And if you're very lucky with dahlias, you can take things like cuttings to actually even increase even more dahlias. I don't know, you've got, have you got dahlias? Do you grow dahlias? I grow some dahlias at home and I um, right. left them in the ground this winter and I don't know what the, the November right. uh, chili spell has done to them. So we shall wait and see. And at the hall, we do have bishops of land up in the hot border. So, um, and I need to replenish those, I think. So yeah, I will be uh, bulking up my stocks of that lovely red flowered dahlia yeah and uh we're just coming to the end i will leave you with a grow your own because you know i've been very gentle and generous you're spoiling me tonight you really are i'm trying you know i'm trying to it's uh it's probably the last month to sow those tender vegetables uh the greenhouse crops so tomatoes cucumbers so ones that are gonna live in the greenhouse yeah ones you want to put in the greenhouse not the ones you're gonna grow outside you've got a bit more yeah. time to do that because you've got to wait till after the frost. But if you want to get a good start on your cordon tomatoes, planting up your aubergines, sweet peppers and chilies, probably by the end of March, you really want to get them sown on your heat mats. Uh, I'm finding my greenhouse quite warm. I'm not having to use the heat mats at the moment. That might change in the next few days. But This is because you're in Devon, you see, exactly. rather than in the uh, yeah. freezing cold Essex, yeah, exactly. so with these easterly winds that we get. But yeah, my um, my parents used to grow commercial tomatoes and we and we they'd be under glass for their entire life and we'd start those off in february mm. going into early march and uh i'd be pricking out thousands of the things and potting them up and planting them out and twisting the string around and side shooting all that kind of stuff and i love doing it in my own little greenhouse as well because it reminds me very nostalgically of my time with mum and dad when we were um you know sending things to markets and it was a it was a hard time don't get me wrong it was a hard life but it was for me lots of childhood memories so i've there's something lovely for me about growing tomatoes that goes way beneath the actual growing tomatoes itself so um yeah tomatoes chilies if you want to grow really hot chilies like the scorpions and the nagas and the trinidads and all those really really hot head ones you, they do need a long, long, long time to bulk up. Mm. So you may find plug plants of those really hot ones are worth a go. But things like Hungarian hot watch, which I always grow as a chili, that's a real, for me, a real benchmarker and a real, um, mustn't be without that one. You can easily sow that now. That, that bulks up really quickly. It seems to have a natural vigour and fruits really quite early. So that's a lovely one to try. Um, yeah, and like you say, melons, cucumbers, uh, they're all quite large seeds. So they're best sown into individual pots rather than, 
pricked out tomatoes, you can sow, uh, you know, easily a dozen seed in a nine centimetre pot. And then as they emerge, you can prick them out into individual tubs. But I do find with the squashes and um, those sorts of crops that, yeah, they do need individual pots themselves. So they take up a bit more room when you sow them. That's the only thing with sowing straight into these larger containers. If you haven't got a big propagating space, you're a little bit constricted. But Honestly, um, they are lovely. The snack box cucumbers, oh my gosh, they're so prolific. They are ridiculously prolific. Mum and Dad used to grow the old traditional kind of like telegraph and telegraph improved long cucumbers in our greenhouses. And they are, if you grow them commercially and you get the, the cucumbers like a real high humidity yeah. and high, high temperatures, then you can get the plants to produce quite well. But to be honest, most of us, we... It, they don't perform that well for the amateur grower. I do find the snack pot ones um, so much more abundant and uh, just generous in their cropping and, and wanting to crop. So definitely go for those. Yeah. They are they are delicious. Yeah, and uh, and I just want to shout out to regular listener Tufty. I have managed mm. to get hold of a packet of Big Daddy beefsteak tomatoes. <laughs> Hopefully you're sowing yours as you're listening to this. And I want to see who's going to make the biggest one this year, Tufty. So... That's an official shout-out competition. It's the Gauntlet Throne. Hashtag Saul versus Tufty, biggest Big Daddy tomato of the year, 2023. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. Um, Anyway, we come to the end. That was a a list of things we're up to. There are plenty more things that we can get up to. We want to know what you're going to get up to. So, you know, Mm shout-out to me and Lucy on our social media. Let us know what you're up to. We might feature them in the next podcast. Who knows? There's plenty of things going on in spring. Spring is that time where everyone seems to be out in their greenhouses, gardens, down the garden centres, up the nurseries, at gardens, walking through woods. There's so much to see and do. So as we start spring now, we've got three months of glorious gardening to be getting on with. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Lucy, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Twitter at Gardening Saul and Lucy is on both Twitter and Instagram at HeadGardenerLC. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. The Joy of Spring in the Head Gardener's Heart is an exciting bookend to the start of many months of gardening, making the horticultural world in which we live and work both exciting and fulfilling. So join us every week as we sow seeds, mow lawns, do a little or a lot of weeding and bring you, our loyal listeners, a peek behind our gardening curtains. And so until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye!